Hey, this is Rich. We're so glad that you joined us today on the VU Church podcast. It's been a difficult week here in Miami as we continue to pray and resource those affected by the Surfside building collapse. We are thankful for those working tirelessly and our I Love My City team on site. We're believing for miracles in Jesus' name. Why not consider partnering with VU today and give to relief efforts at vuchurch.com slash surfside. Through the pain, we believe that everything because of Jesus is going to be all right. In fact, that's the title of today's talk. Let's lean into today's message. The Lord's been leading me in these Old Testament passages, and I want to preach today from Genesis chapter 48. Once again, we're looking for Jesus in these stories, and once again, we're looking for hope of the gospel. Genesis 48, verse 10, maybe you've never heard this story before, but I'm believing it's going to encourage you. I believe it's a right now word, not just for Vu, but for the city of Miami and those that are hurting and struggling today. Scripture says, starting in verse 10, now Israel's eyes, Israel is Jacob in the Bible. Jacob has two names. Jacob was the son of Abraham. His name is also Israel. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his sons close to him, and his father kissed them and embraced them. Now Israel said to Joseph, I never, watch this, I never expected, I never expected to see your face again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. Joseph took both of them, Ephraim on his right towards Israel's left hand, Manasseh on his left toward Israel's right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger, watch this, and crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. I want to preach today uh, a message simply entitled, It's Gonna Be All Right. It's gonna be all right. Would you look at your neighbor and help me out today and just say, neighbor, it's gonna be all right. I know it's early in the morning, but I'm gonna need some participation today. Look at your other neighbor. Come on, somebody. Say, it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Uh, Two nights ago, I was laying in bed. It was the middle of the night, and we have this little baby monitor in our room because both of my sons, Wyatt Wesley and Wild Wesley, they, they share a room. And uh, to much to our surprise, around two or three in the morning, we hear blood-curling screams coming from my son's room. My son Wyatt is screaming, Dad! Dad! And, like, I don't know if you've ever been like, awoken in the night where like, you're like, what is going on? But you're not really awake, but you're running somehow. And I'm running, I'm hitting into furniture. I can just, Dad! I can hear my son going, Dad, where are you? Where are you? I, I get into the room and my son is out of his bed and like I don't think he can see. I don't think he knows what's going on. He's like spinning around. He's like, Dad, it looks like some kind of thing from like poltergeist or something. I'm like, what's going on here? He's screaming, Dad, what? he's crying, he's hysterical. Now his crying and his chaos has woken up his little brother Wild. Wild is now standing up in his crib going, ah, ah. It's like we went from zero to 100 really quick. And all I could do in the moment is, is grab one boy, Wyatt, with my left arm and then grab my youngest son, Wild, in my other arm. And I'm holding my boys. And all I can say in the moment with my eyes still asleep, yawning, scared to death, going, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. You're going to be all right. It's okay. Dad's here. It's going to be all right. 
I think many times what happens is that we find ourselves in crisis. And in the crisis, it's darkness all around us. The rain is coming down. The wind is blowing. And all we know to do is scream. And all we know to do is shout out. All we know to do is going, Dad, where are you? But as our screams, they begin to trigger screams in other people. And before you know it, there's a whole lot of people just going, where are you, God? What's taking place? I don't see you anywhere. But I want to remind you that there is a God on the way to you who will pick you up in his arms. And he speaks over your life. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. I want to encourage some people in this room today. I don't know what your situation looks like today, but I am believing through the Spirit of God that God has blessings in store for you that you have no idea about. He's about to do something unusual in your life. Get your faith up. Get your hope up. Keep believing. Come on. I came in with a message of faith today. I got to preach five times a day, so they're telling me I've got to actually follow my clock for the first time in my life. And today, our, our message comes from Genesis chapter 48. It's an interesting story. It picks up with a full-grown Joseph. Now, some of you, you're not new to church. You've been coming to church, and so you know, as I say the name Joseph, that, that means something to you. But others of you, this is like your second week in church, and you're like, yo, bro, I don't know who Joseph is. I know one Joe. I went to high school with him. Is it the same? No, it's a different Joseph. And so because i got to go quick today, let me just give you a recap of who Joseph is. Joseph is one of the 12 sons of Israel. In fact, he's the 11th son. Israel is also has a name. His name is Jacob. Jacob is the son of Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. Joseph is the 11th son of Jacob, also known as Israel, but he's one of Jacob's favorite sons. The reason why is because he's the firstborn son of Rachel. I know it's crazy back then, but guys had more than one wife. I can only handle one. I don't know how they did it. He married one woman. Her name was Leah. The scripture says she was the weak-eyed one. That's a nice way of saying she was ugly. He finally got to marry the girl that he really wanted to marry. Her name was Rachel, but Rachel couldn't have any kids. And finally, after a lot of years of waiting for kids, she finally has two boys. The first is Joseph. The second is Benjamin. Because Joseph's the firstborn of Rachel, it's always Jacob's favorite. So what does Jacob do? He gets his boy some gifts. He gives him this beautiful coat. This coat is the coat of many colors. He rocks the coat. He's the man. At 17 years of age, Joseph has a dream. It's a crazy dream. He's got all these brothers. But one of the dreams he sees is he sees all these stars, and all these stars are bowing down to him. He's an idiot. He goes, hey, bro. I had this dream last night. All of you guys, brothers, were bowing down to me. You can believe it and you can understand it that because he has this coat of many colors, because he's having dreams that his brothers are bowing down to him, his brothers don't like him. In fact, they hate him. They plot to kill him. But Reuben, the oldest brother of the 12, says, come on, guys, let's not kill him. Let's just do something different. Let's throw him in a pit and say that he died. They throw him in a pit. They tell his dad, hey, dad, Joseph died. But they also sell him into slavery. There's a caravan of Ishmaelites coming by. The Ishmaelites buy Joseph. They take him to Egypt. They don't know, but he shows up in Egypt and there's this guy named Potiphar. He's like, that guy looks good. I'll take him as a slave in my house. The cool thing about Joseph and the cool thing about God is it doesn't matter his position. He always has a purpose. And so we find him. I got to hurry. We find him coming into second in command in Potiphar's house. It's awesome. Potiphar's happy with him. He's rocking it. He's doing big things. The only problem is not only does Potiphar like him, Potiphar's wife likes him also. Miss <laughs> Potiphar's like, hey, Joe, you look good. And the scripture says that she comes on to him over and over and over again. But this is a real man of God. He actually knew New Testament scriptures before New Testament scriptures were written. He already knew the Mosaic law before the Mosaic law was given. And so he fled 
dead from temptation. But one day, as he was running, she grabbed his cloak, she took it as evidence, and said, this man tried to rape me. Mr. Potiphar got real upset and said, you're going to be thrown into prison. But like every time, from the pit to the palace, even in prison, God was with him. And so in prison, believe it or not, he starts like doing amazing ministry from the prison. Some of you in this room, they're like, I can't do ministry until I get on the platform. I can't do ministry until I get an Instagram handle. You ought to read the story of Joseph, because he was preaching from the prison cell. He meets a guy who's a cupbearer. He meets a baker. They both have crazy dreams. They're like, can you help us out with our dreams? He's like, yo, here's the deal. Mr. Cupbearer, in three days, the king is going to reinstate you back into your position. Mr. Baker, not such a good story. You're going to die in three days. Mr. Cupbearer, don't forget about me when you get there. The cupbearer says, I will never forget about you. But of course, he does forget about him. Years go by. Finally, one day, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, is having these crazy dreams. He can't get over it. And the cupbearer goes, oh, wait, I know a guy I met in prison who interpreted my dreams. He says his name is Joseph. So they bring Joseph in. He looks like Tom Hanks from Castaway. He's got a beard. It's ugly. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh goes, here's my dream. I saw these seven fat calves get out of the Nile River. Then I saw these seven scrawny calves get out. They came and they ate the fat calves. Joseph's like, oh, I know what this dream means. This dream means that Egypt's going to have seven years of harvest. Then Egypt's going to have seven years of famine. What you ought to do is you ought to store up and steward the surplus in these years of harvest so that when the famine comes, you will be an economic power to touch the nations. And Pharaoh's like, yo, I like you. You're making me money. You're going to be second in command of all of my nation, of all of Egypt. So one day, as the famine hits, after seven good years, everywhere is hurting. Would you believe even the people of Israel are hurting? So what happens? All of Joseph's brothers come, and they bow down before Joseph, and they say, yo, we need some food. But they don't recognize Joseph because he's got Egyptian mascara on. He's got a whole thing. They don't know it's the guy they said was dead and left for dead. And Joseph, he starts playing tricks on them. It's a whole crazy thing. He wants his brother Benjamin. He convinces them to bring their father. He convinces them to bring all the brothers. And before you know it, they're all bowing down. It is a fulfillment of the dream at 17 years of age. He's 40 years old. But then Joseph, he does not actually destroy the brothers. He doesn't punish the brothers, but he behaves as a type of Christ. He delivers the brothers. He helps the brothers. He exonerates the brothers. He takes care of them. So, All right. All right. So, so that, that's what we're working with. That's where, that's where we're at now. So that all, that's, what, that's where we're at. So, so Joseph, Joseph is, is large and in charge. He's, um, he's second in command of all of Egypt. And, 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 and he's running, and, and his brothers are there, and his dad is there. And, and, and Joseph is, is doing a good job. And when our story picks up, we, we pick up and we see that Joseph's dad, his name is Jacob, also known as Israel. Uh, Jacob dies at the age of 147. It's an amazing idea that the first 17 years of Joseph's life, Jacob had Joseph. And in the last 17 years of Jacob's life, he spent them with Joseph. And as we pick up here in Genesis chapter 48, what we see is, is we see that Jacob is getting ready to bless Joseph, and he's getting ready to bless Joseph's children. What's fascinating to me as we read the text is that Jacob 
he, he actually believed that Joseph was dead for the majority of his life. But now right here, what we see is we see this beautiful moment that not only is Joseph alive, but Joseph has kids, meaning that Jacob has grandchildren. I, I don't know who I'm preaching to today, but I just want to remind you once again, over and over again about who your God is. Because the scripture says that Jacob did not expect to see Joseph again. How many know God doesn't simply meet our expectations, he exceeds them. Because some of us in this place, we have something in our heart that might have died. Maybe it was a dream. Maybe it was a hope. Some of you are in this place today right now, and you've just come to believe that you're just settling for the circumstance that you're in, that I'm never going to meet the right person. I'm never going to get the right job. I'm going to always be stuck in this spot. But I want to encourage you in the God who doesn't just meet expectations. He exceeds them. Not only are you going to meet your children, but I believe you're going to meet your grandchildren. Come on, somebody. It's going to be all right. And what's interesting about the story is that Joseph, he brings his, his two sons, Manasseh and, and Ephraim. And what's fascinating is that these boys, um, they are not Hebrew boys. In fact, Joseph has been living so long in Egypt that these children are half Hebrew and half Egyptian. Yet what we discover is we discover that Jacob is going to bless them anyways. That they shouldn't actually be getting this blessing. They shouldn't actually be getting this inheritance because they're not fully Hebrew. But Jacob is going to break through the traditions. Jacob is going to break through the rules, if you will. And he says in verse 5, I'm going to adopt these boys as if they're my own. I want you to see this today. This is powerful. That Manasseh and Ephraim, they're not even from my real lineage, but I am going to adopt them like they are my own children. Not only is it just strange that they're Egyptian boys, the other part that's really strange is that they're his grandsons. How many of you know he doesn't have to give them his inheritance? In fact, they should have had to wait for Joseph's blessing. They should have had to wait another 40 years. I sense the Holy Spirit speaking to me to some of you today that God is getting ready to accelerate things that should have taken much longer. He's saying, I'm about to do a quick work in your life. This is what our God does. How many know our God, he adopts us? Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. I want to remind some people out there, God doesn't have any grandchildren. If you put your faith in Jesus, you're not a grandson, you're not a granddaughter, but rather you are a child of God and you are positioned for the blessing of God. It's called favor that Jacob is choosing to show these boys who were born from the wrong mother, from the wrong place, from the wrong tradition. 
He says, I'm going to show you favor and grace. I hope you know today, favor is not fair. <laughs> Some of us in this room, we're apologizing about the good things that God has done in our lives. You need to know that if you're going to follow Jesus, he is going to bless you at times in unexpected ways. He's going to put his favor on your life. You're going to get things that you don't deserve. There will always be people around you chirping and jealous, but I'm telling you what, take the high road. Let them talk all they want. Let them leave if they got to leave. If they leave you, it's because you never needed them to begin with. God's favor is on your life. It's going to be all right. You don't have grandchildren. That's not what he does. He's got children. Here, Jacob is showing his insight into the character of God. I will adopt them as my own. But Jacob, you, you, you can't do that. I can do exactly what I want. It's interesting because Manasseh and Ephraim are the two sons of Joseph. We know that Manasseh is the older boy and Ephraim is the younger boy. And in this time period, in this culture, it's, it's very important that you get the context of this because in ancient culture, culture um, the firstborn wasn't something, it was everything. I'm going to teach more about this next week as I preach on the story of Abraham and Isaac, but the firstborn uh, in ancient culture, they weren't individualistic like we are in America. It was all about the tribe. It was all about the clan. It was all about the community. It was all about the family. It wasn't about your own individual success, prominence prosperity. It was all about the success, the prosperity of the entire family. This is why over and over again, that the inheritance, the majority of the wealth, the majority of the blessing would go to the firstborn because it was up to the firstborn to keep the family legacy. Think about in the scriptures when God sends the angel of death to free the Hebrew people. What is taken? It's the firstborn that's taken. It's the firstborn son so that that inheritance, so that legacy could be robbed. And because the firstborn son was so important, the firstborn son would be blessed by the father's right hand. The firstborn son would get a double portion of the father's blessing. All throughout the scriptures, what we'll discover is that 166 times, the idea of the right hand of God is mentioned. And every time the right hand of God is mentioned, it's always mentioned as a symbol of favor, authority, prosperity, and strength. I can show you scripture after scripture where we see this picture that right hand over and over again in God's word is about strength, favor. Now, I want to be careful because my wife is actually left-handed. And I told her some of my notes. She's like, but Rich, what about my left hand? I know. This is not about right-handed being better. I'm just saying in the Bible, right hand is a symbol. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 3, for I am the Lord your God who upholds your right hand, who says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Psalm 72, 23, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. Luke 22, verse 69, but from now on, the Son of Man shall be seated, where? At the right hand of the power of God. Jesus today is seated at the right hand of the Father. Jesus tells a parable about the sheep and the goat in Matthew 25, and he says this. He says, in the end, God will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. 
What is the parable of the sheeps and the goat about? The parable of the sheeps and the goat are about that when we stand before God one day, he will look at us and he will say, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. And those that are righteous will say, God, when did I do those things for you? I never knew I did those. And God will reply back, if you did it for the least of those, then you've done it unto me. Come on, is there a church out there that would say we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, that when we serve others, we're serving Jesus? Today, people have brought in supplies. People are donating dollars because we are preparing ourselves as a church. We're not just into having a Sunday morning gathering. We're not just into giving content. If we're going to be in the heart of a city, when the heart of a city is in crisis, we ought to be the first boots on the ground running to the tragedy saying, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. The right hand represents God's blessing. So Joseph brings in his boys, Manasseh and Ephraim, and he brings them before Jacob. And the text says that Jacob's eyes were failing because he was old in his years. He was getting ready to pass away. And before he died, he wanted to give his blessing. And so Joseph comes and he puts Manasseh near Jacob's right hand. And he puts Ephraim near Jacob's left hand. But then would you believe it? As Jacob gets ready to bless the boys, at the last minute, he crosses his arms. And the right hand falls upon Ephraim, and the left hand falls upon Manasseh. Now, when Joseph sees this, he gets frustrated. In fact, he tries to grab his dad's hands. He's going, man, you're really old, and you must not be able to see what's going on here. But it's Manasseh who should get your right hand. And Jacob actually stops him. Says, no, actually, I know what I'm doing. Manasseh will be great, but Ephraim will be greater. More nations will come from Ephraim. I am choosing, I am deciding to do this. I'm crossing my arms. I'm crossing my hands. My right hand is falling upon the younger brother, and my left hand is falling upon the older brother. I want to remind some people in here that this is who our God is, that more often than not, our God chooses and picks the least likely. Our God, he comes and picks people. He specializes in taking people from the back of the line and bringing them to the front of the line. It's who our God is. This is not really a story about one family member getting more than the other. Both were blessed. This is more a story about how our God operates. That there's people in this room right now today, and you're going, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I was born in the wrong family. I've made too many mistakes. I'm not qualified. But I want to remind you that our God, he says, I am the one who qualifies. I am the one who makes things all right. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, but yo, but Rich, you you don't know me and you don't know my story and I don't measure up and I am not enough. There's people that walked in here today and you have convinced yourself that where you are is all you will ever get to. That might be true in your own strength, but I came to remind some people about the God who's getting ready to cross his arms. I came to remind some people who said, I've come to pick the least deserving. Some of us in this room today, all we need to do is take a long inventory. All we need to do is look back at how far God has brought us, and we will be reminded over and over again that our story is a story of God crossing his arms. Your marriage never should have made it. 
How did you get in this faith community? Your business shouldn't have made it through a pandemic. Somebody might ask you how your response should be is simple. God crossed his arms and his blessing fell upon my life. He exceeded my expectations. I start going back through my own life. And many times I think to myself, how did I get here? It's because God crossed his arms. How did our church, which started in an apartment, how on earth did we get here? God crossed his arms. How did we buy not just one, but two buildings in a pandemic? I'll tell you how. God crossed his arms. How are we finding ourselves in a season where God's spirit is being poured out that we're launching today a fifth service. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by his spirit. God crossed his arms. How did we wait eight years to have a baby and come this Friday after eight years of waiting? We're not going to have one child, two children. We're going to have a third child. I'll tell you how. It's because God crossed his arms. And if he did it for me, he can do it for you. It's who he is. It's how he operates. It's how he works. It's going to be all right. God's going to cross his arms. He's going to cross his arms. I'm reminded of Psalm 136 with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. His love endures forever. I can hear Isaiah as he prophesies, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. I don't know what you're carrying today. I don't know what's got you worried. I don't know what has you afraid. I don't know what's plaguing your mind today, but I just want to remind you that God shows up in unexpected moments. He picks the least likely. He takes those from the back and he brings them to the front because he's the God who crosses his arms. And like I told you, as we read these stories, we're not just trying to get motivated and inspired, but rather we are trying to build our faith. And our faith is not built on shouting and our faith is not built on a sharp program. Our faith is built on truth. And what is that truth? That truth is a gospel message. Here in Genesis 48, I hope you understand this is not just simply a story about Manasseh and Ephraim and God crossing his arms for them. It's, it's a story about you and a story about Jesus. Because if you don't know, Jesus is God's firstborn. He is the begotten son of God. He is Manasseh. Do you know who you are and do you know who I am? We're Ephraim. You were born wrong. Ephraim didn't do anything. He was just born second. And the culture said, because you're second, you're going to get least. You're going to get less. You and I, we were born into sin. I just got to keep telling us this week because sometimes we think that, man, we're Christians, but sometimes we get ourselves into some other types of philosophies and some other types of doctrines. Some of us, we don't even know, but we believe in karma. We think if I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad. No, friend. You cannot get yourself out of being born wrong. 
It wasn't that you did something that made you a sinner. No, you were born into a state of sin. Because you were born into sin, your nature, your, your, your knee jerk, your default is to displease God. Your default is to feed your flesh. You were born wrong. I know it's difficult to hear because we don't like that type of teaching in 2021. No, I am a product of my choices. Not always. We're born wrong. We're born second. We're, we're, we're born not deserving. We're born destined not for relationship with God. We're, we're, we're born to be separated from God. But the power of this story is that God's firstborn son, Jesus, he made a decision. He decided, he made a choice that all of my sin and all of your sin, it had to be paid for. What is the payment of sin according to Romans chapter six? That all sin has to pay the penalty and the price of death. So the perfect son, the spotless son, he who knew no sin became sin. He went to a cruel, rugged cross and he died and he paid the price tag for your sin and my sin. Why? So that you and I, the scripture says, so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. See, I want you to see this. At the cross, God crossed his arms. At the cross, God mimicked Jacob and crossed his arms. In his right hand, fell upon you and I, the least deserving, the Ephraim, born wrong. And his left hand fell upon the one who was deserving, the one who was born right. And he said, I'm crossing my arms. Why? Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become, what's the word? The, we might become the what? we might become the righteous of God. God made him who had no sin be sin so that you and I might become right. Yeah, so good. You say, Rich, how on earth can you get up on a stage and tell our city when there's 156 people buried underneath rubble, it's gonna be all right? The only way I can do it, friends, the only reason we can get up and put a smile on our face is not because there's not bad things happening around us. It's because of a truth that we hold dear, that no matter what happens, life or death in this world, we believe today that it's going to be all made right because of what Jesus did, that in the end, we will stand with our King. It's going to be all right. It's all right with Jesus. If you're in Jesus, there is no left. If, there, if you're in Jesus, you don't get what you deserve. If you're in Jesus, it doesn't matter what you did last year. If you're in Jesus, it's not about your personality. If you're in Jesus, it's not about the lack of your resources. All that you're not is who he is. Because at the cross, God crossed his arms and he made it all right. I get the right hand of God. I get his blessing. And so when I'm going through storms, when I'm going through trials, 
think back to Genesis chapter 48 and I see a picture of my God that I am the least deserving. I was born wrong, but he's the God who crosses his arms. He's the God who, who rushes in in the middle of the night and holds me in his arms and says, Rich, this life is temporary, but I have promised you an eternal reward. Today, it's not about hype, it's about hope. And I don't just have hope for tomorrow and I don't just have hope for the weekend, I have hope for heaven. I wanna to say to Mike Noriega, who's our service leader on the parking lot team in the PM block, his grandmother is under the rubble today. I wanna to say to Mike, if he's watching, it's gonna be all right. I wanna to say to Edgar and Angela Gonzalez, part of this church. Angela and her child fell many floors taken out of the rubble, but Edgar's still in the rubble. Whether it's life or death, whatever is on the other side, we're gonna keep believing, we're gonna keep praying. We believe in a God who exceeds our expectations. But I know this, I know that they're in Christ. I know that they're in Jesus. And so today, although I feel like we're suffering, although I don't have all the answers, I put my arms back and I put my shoulders back and I plant my feet on the ground. And after I've done everything to stand, I continue to stand firm and I declare it's going to be all right in Jesus. That in God, he's making all things right. I want to say to every person in this room, if you've got someone connected, I want to say everybody who's watching online right now, who is in a desperate moment, that you're in pain and you're in suffering. I want to speak to every person right now that's thinking about giving up. I want to preach to every person who's hanging on by a thread. Can I prophesy and can I preach to you that if you're in Christ Jesus, he's getting ready to cross his arms. It's all right in Jesus. It's all good in Jesus. He's carrying you through. He can do anything. He can do anything. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with friends. It helps so much. For more content from VU and to connect with us, go to vuchurch.com. We love you. The best is yet to come.